fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about email interviews with my friend Caitlin. Great. <laughs> How are you, Caitlin? <laughs> uh, we're doing well. Just doing some work back in the semester or winter semester now. Um, so just trying to get used to like the routine of doing work after I've had quite a long winter break. How are you? I'm, you know, my, everything feels consistent. Like nothing has changed for me being <laughs> unemployed in this uh, nonsense, you know, kids taking care of kids every day, just uh, yeah. all, all blurs into one, one long blur. I did go on a friend's show over the weekend uh Rico Rants and uh we talked about uh democracy and the far right generally after what happened uh 2 weeks ago on uh January 6th so if anyone's interested on that I'll throw the link in the show notes Rico's a pretty cool dude and so you can check out his YouTube stuff generally but uh other than that I haven't done anything I guess we we did a, a, an interview but we'll we'll uh share that when it gets released uh, to the public now, the Imperial Roundup. <laughs> Better? <laughs> so odd. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on The Rebel from January 11th to January 15th. Seemingly, in an attempt to forget about the failed right-wing insurrection in America last week, Ezra starts off the week by remembering his Tucker Carlson appearance from mid-December. Ezra is still trying to promote what he called the biggest story he has ever broken. But sadly, for him, no one really cares about a few Chinese soldiers hanging out in Petawawa when we are currently in the middle of the second wave of a global pandemic. Ezra interviews UK conservative pundit Kelvin Robinson, who argues that silencing hate speech actually creates more extremism. It's empowering, isn't it? To, to have a moan, to have a rant. It's quite British, actually, just to be unhappy about something and put it out there. And people can argue against it or, or join in with you. But if you're shut down because you have the wrong opinion and you're not subscribing to the approved narrative, that's very dangerous because that sends your opinion underground. And we all know what happens, according to history, if opinions get shoved into the underground. Uh, they uprise and we get extremists. And we've seen that across the world and across time. And we're seeing this at the moment. And it's not just a US issue. This is a global issue in that big tech has become too powerful. He also argues that banning Trump off Twitter is a coup. To remove him, to remove a sitting president of the United States from being able to express himself and put news out there is, in effect, it's a coup d'etat. It really is. And Which is ironic, given that Twitter removed Trump at a time when he was fomenting a coup. Robinson then speculates that Twitter will remove UK politicians like Nigel Farage for racism when he really is just anti-immigration. People like Nigel Farage will be deplatformed next. Um, he's saying things that the establishment don't want said or that the uh, metropolitan liberal elite don't want said. And, he, and they'll say he's racist. They'll say he's xenophobic. What he's actually saying is, why do we have illegal immigrants coming over to the UK from safe countries. Later in the week, Ezra talks to Breitbart writer Alam Bokhari, who argues that 
being kicked off social media is to be unpersoned. Well, uh, we'll keep in touch with you until one of us is unpersoned and deplatformed first. You're no longer a person. <laughs> I fucking love that. Uh, Ezra interviews a poli-sci professor from the University of Calgary named Barry Cooper. Cooper's new book is about how the COVID-19 pandemic is really a moral panic, like the Salem witch trials. Right away, I'm thinking the madness of the Salem witch trials. I'm thinking of madnesses, maybe even some anti-Semitic pogroms. Oh, the Jews have poisoned our well. We have to get rid of the Jews. Like, or some of the superstitions that grew up around the Great Plague, the Black Death. I think that there's a great psychological fear over things. I mean, listen, the, the COVID-19 is a real disease. Ezra mocks wearing a mask by compare, comparing it to wearing garlic to scare Dracula away. I really think that's the thinking going on. And I think people wearing masks, it's like they're maybe a, in the past, they would have worn a garlic around their neck to be uh, immune from a Dracula or even a religious, you know, rosary or something. I think the mask is a quasi-religious pagan symbol of, oh, I'm a believer I'm against the folk devil. Be gone, folk devil. Be gone. Oh, you're not wearing your mask? You must be in league with the folk devil. Yes, exactly. While Cooper agrees, saying the point of a mask is just to shut you up. What they, they don't seem to get the symbolism. I mean, the whole point of a mask is to shut you up. They use the fact that politicians are traveling for the holidays as evidence that this virus is not as deadly as we're being told. They also downplay the severity of the virus by saying that people are dying with COVID, but not from it. And Ezra is happy to talk about the COVID death attributed to a man falling off a ladder, which we already covered turned out really was because of COVID. And then there are huge problems with uh, the statistics. Do you die with or from uh, COVID? Uh, there's been so much evidence about people who die with it are, are diagnosed as having died from it. Uh, and, and people know this. And so they, they simply distrust, and I would say quite properly, distrust these, uh, these uh, self-styled authorities because they are not really authoritative. They refuse to acknowledge what they don't know. Uh, and the rest of us can figure that out pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, the absurd case of someone falling off a ladder, dying from falling off a ladder, and it was tagged as a, a COVID-19 death. The two main themes throughout this conversation, and Evra's coverage of COVID generally, is that the virus is not as bad as we are being told, and that any policy to deal with it is akin to Soviet Russian-style authoritarianism. Apparently, getting dirty looks for not wearing a mask is the equivalent of living in an authoritarian regime. I don't know. It's, it, it reminds me of, of how people in the Soviet Union used to live. There was your public face, and then there's your secret, honest talk that you would have only with true friends and close family members. You had a public facade and then a private facade. And you always had to worry about informants and snitches, which, by the way, we're seeing again. Uh, I wonder if... An, if all the compliant mask wearers and people cheering along, if they secretly know that this whole thing is a scam. I don't know. I just sense a sourness out there uh, against people who are not believers. What comes after the sourness and these sort of laser uh, looks of uh, disgust when you're not wearing your mask uh, are jokes. Of course, it could be that people give you dirty looks for not wearing a mask because there is an ongoing global pandemic. 
But it is also never questioned why a poli-sci professor is an expert on how to deal with a global pandemic, or whether they are qualified to discuss if it is serious or real in the first place. Ezra has two stories this week about how the liberals will call their opponents Nazis just to win the next election. He also speculates the next election will occur this spring. He focuses on a billboard erected in Hamilton, Ontario, which compared Trudeau to Hitler. Ezra says this trivializes what Nazis did, since, to his credit, he didn't think Trudeau was even close to being Hitler. Ezra is angry that the police talked to the individual who put up the billboard, but what angers Ezra the most is that liberals call rebel employees Nazis. And no police have investigated them for it. So let me get this straight. If you call Justin Trudeau a Nazi, the police will investigate you for being offensive. But if Trudeau calls you a Nazi, that's just campaigning. Aside from the absurdity of the police investigating liberal politicians for calling rebel employees Nazis, maybe people wouldn't call you a Nazi if you weren't present at Nazi events and taking selfies like Keanu was with people who stormed the Capitol, some of which were wearing Camp Auschwitz t-shirts. Sheila Gunn-Reed is on to promote her Fight the Fines initiative, calling on people to violate health mandates and then offering them legal support in return. Sheila brags that they receive five new cases a day. It isn't surprising that they are openly advocating that people violate the law, only weeks after claiming that conservatives are the law and order party and would never do something like storming the Capitol. Ezra also chats with Andrew Lawton, about an emergency text in Ontario telling people to stay home due to the increased number of COVID cases. Ezra thinks this text is evidence that we live in a dystopian movie and they complain that this will make new immigrants feel like they are always living in a police state. You and I, I would call, uh, we're, I mean, I'm, this is not a compliment. I think I'm trying to describe our interest in the news. I would call us sophisticated consumers of the news. I'm not saying we can't be bamboozled or we, we understand everything, but on the spectrum of people, because I'm thinking of, what about someone who doesn't follow the news at all? They don't care. They follow mm -hmm. sports and celebrities. They don't follow the news. What about someone for whom English is a second language? They're a little wobbly in English. They just came to Canada, maybe. They get this. They don't know. They, it feels like a police state. What about people who are just plain old simple or naive? Or, or, and what about people who are scared? And that's a lot of people they've been conditioned to be scared for almost a year and then you get this stay in your home do not leave your home stay mm -hmm. in your home this is the law it is straight out of a dystopian science fiction novel and i think it's terrible they also complain that the message is confusing for people who might not know what all the rules are however the text itself came with links for anyone who is confused that is the week Caitlin, did you know that Eric O'Toole gave an exclusive interview to Ezra Levant? No, I didn't. Tell me more. <laughs> You're lying because I told you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who are not Canadian uh, and haven't been following along what's happening in our country, because, you know, while America has big stories like a attempted a coup by fascists on their American capital, we have stories like whether the leader of the official opposition, the Conservative Party of Canada, gave an exclusive interview to Ezra Levant or not. 
because this got printed in the Globe and Mail, which is one of our largest uh, newspapers in the country. So I'm going to give a bit of a filling in of what occurred. And it's not going to take, you know, this is probably going to be a shorter episode than usual uh, because this was the big news story uh, that Ezra covered all fucking week. And as you're going to find out, there's not much to it. But we'll try to make the best of it. But I'll give you a brief summary of what occurred. And when I say a brief summary of what occurred, I'm basically going to tell you what happened because there really is nothing to the story. (laughs) I think it was on Monday or Sunday, or I think it happened on Monday, I think is when it dropped. But I woke up to a a tweet and it was a very professional looking tweet that had both Ezra on it and it had uh, Eric O'Toole there. And it said, uh, Ezra Levant, exclusive interview, Eric O'Toole. And I was like, okay. And uh, I was like, I don't know why the conservatives would do this, considering that uh, rebels sent Kian to the Capitol uh, uprising (laughs) that occurred on the 6th. And you would think that uh, rebel would be particularly toxic right now. Right. I mean, here's here's another thing to point out. Notice how in our news segment, but also uh, right now what we're talking about, Ezra didn't mention what happened on the 6th at all this week, even though it's one of the biggest news stories ever. <laughs> you know, uh, they talked about it the week that it happened and try to distance themselves from it completely. They paid Kian to fly and be there. Kian was taking selfies with people in the crowd as they were being tear gassed. And yet all that, they haven't released any material from the event and they're no longer talking about it at all on their show. I wonder why. But given that, and you can tell they're avoiding it because it's it's toxic and they realize it's, that it's toxic for them because they want to get in the good graces of the conservatives. So when I saw that message of the exclusive interview, I'm like, why would Aaron O'Toole do this considering the heat that would be on Rebel at this moment, given what happened at the Capitol? Now immediately when I saw that, I was like, I better click this link and see what this interview is. And it turns out that it was an email interview. (laughs) What's an email interview? It means that Ezra sent a a question to uh, a conservative staffer, the, the communications representative of the conservative party, who then responded to the question. And then they offered another question. I think this went back and forth three times. So there was three questions, three answers by the end of it. And when you read the answers, they're written from the perspective of Aaron O'Toole in that, or Eric O'Toole, (laughs) written from the perspective of Eric O'Toole. And it says as the official opposition or things like this, right? Which would indicate that it's coming from Eric. What Ezra did, because Ezra ended up uh, after... uh, after the conservatives denied giving him this interview, Ezra has released the uh, quote-unquote receipts that show that through this exchange with this conservative staffer, Ezra asks, can I attribute this to O'Toole? And the person responds that yes, you can. So this is why it was an email quote-unquote interview. The problem that I have with this, and what what initially struck me, and I wonder if you have the same vibe, which is like, why <laughs> why would anyone give an email interview like this? <laughs> you know, like if you're going to do it, why wouldn't you just do it? Yeah. 
And so my my initial thoughts, because I sent a tweet out almost immediately, my initial thoughts were like, if the conservatives actually did this, it's bad for these reasons. But then I was like, but I'm highly skeptical this actually happened. I'm very, <laughs> my, my uh, red alert system is going off, you know, uh, the red flags are appearing and I didn't believe that this interview actually took place. Yeah. Now, when it got up to the level of like news reporting, so I mean, most of Ezra's focus on this stupid thing was saying that the liberals were somehow goading the conservatives to like backtrack on this. But I honestly didn't see a lot of that. I just saw the conservatives immediately coming out and being like, I did not interview <laughs> Ezra. This never happened. Uh, and then Ezra goes, here's the receipts. And it kind of like has ended there. So it's like, did someone give the interview? Did they not give the interview? Was it a staffer that went and did this, but didn't like seek O'Toole's opinion or whatever? I don't know all the ins and outs of like what actually went down. Yeah. But it seems, it seems uh, suspicious nonetheless. <laughs> we gave, we gave an interview recently and we briefly talked about this, but I think for the most part, that interview is going to remain a uh, bonus footage for that podcast. And we'll, and we'll promote it when it, comes out uh we did an extra segment as well that's going to be available there but one of the questions we got asked was about this and it, there occurred that there might be a disagreement be between us on this point and so i thought i would uh uh delve into that just a little bit and that is to what extent the news the the broader news media like the larger news media like the globe and mail or the cbc to what extent they should address these issues with rebel or they should leave it to us lowly independent media sources. <laughs> now, my my take on it was just briefly that I, I almost wish that the mainstream media wouldn't cover this stuff. Because, and I feel, and I'll provide some evidence here, and I'm, I'm curious because I didn't have this evidence when we talked about this on this other show. Uh, but provided the evidence that I, I'll give you in a bit, I do feel like this was a promotional attempt by them. I don't know that it succeeded, but I feel like the more we give a spotlight to them, it draws more attention to them. But then I also see a point of wanting the national news trying to tie them, tie the conservatives to rebel as a negative. But anyways, so my thing was I sided more with the leave it to the independent media stuff. And you were saying it's good that the mainstream uh, media talks about it. Uh, so I don't know if you have, if you wanted to start and maybe explain uh, what your thinking was on there and we can go from that. Yeah. I think the issue with these like alternative news sources is you're going to have an audience that's really going to just, you're going to have an audience that's a lot of times just in agreement with with what you're talking about right like you're not it's not the same as like a larger news source where people are getting that information disseminated on a larger scale and you're going to have people from different walks of life hearing that news report it's more so that you're going to find people who are searching for for our type of like podcast and while we're not covering these things a lot of times people are unaware and then you have also, these alternative media groups, such as the Rebel, that are a lot more right-leaning, that just kind of, I think, breed more right-leaning people. And I think if these things are debated on like a wider scale, um, 
a news source that it becomes more out in the public and more people could have debates on these issues. There's a part of me that like the one good argument to what you're saying is that it's good for like bigger news sources to condemn this stuff to a certain degree and put a spotlight on why this stuff is bad or why uh, working with the rebel or giving interviews to the rebel is bad. And so there's like elements there that I can see are good, right? I, I I do think it's bad if the conservatives give an interview to the rebel, considering what we know about the rebel. And so I could I could see the sort of like benefit there. My issue is, is in terms of like this like preaching to the choir uh, effect, or or not even it's, it's not necessarily preaching to the choir. It's just that our audience is never going to be as big as the Globe and Mail, and so we don't have to. Uh, we almost don't have to worry about having a big tent audience. We're pretty much going to have a more narrower tent. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but there's like some good to that in terms of like keeping uh, our activists vigilant and, and knowing what's coming down the pipe, that it serves like a, a goal in itself. But I do agree, like we can't we can't necessarily make the broader point to a broader audience as much as we would like to. Uh, well, I don't think it's just about this individual point. I think it's about alternative, uh, I guess, media in a larger sense, right? Like, who are you really making this content for? And I guess that speaks a little to our own show. Um, But if you're just, you know, making this content for more people that already agree with your point to further agree with your point, I guess, what's the accomplishment of the, of the show or media piece well part of it is like because other people are going to bump into people uh and it's like one thing like having people out in the wild bumping into people and giving that information that's different than like just getting it from us because like usually like i don't know there's no like direct transmission of like changing people's minds but it's also just like if you could convince keep people aware that are more close to your side, even though you're not going to convince people to like jump from the conservatives or something that these people are bad people. uh, And to remember that in in case it comes up in their own individual lives, like that, that still serves a purpose. I mean, but we still don't have, we still don't have the reach (laughs) as much as I would love to share us with your friends. (laughs) Yes. Uh, (laughs) But there's an element in which like even, because like I don't, it, it's it's tough like thinking about this because Ezra is big to a certain extent and has an influence, but I don't think his influence is that great, and so I worry that like having the Globe and Mail either producing his stuff like they did back at, during the election, or even signal boosting this story can help Ezra in a weird way by drawing attention to his content. Because now someone might read the Globe and Mail and go, well, who is this rebel person? And then go search out his YouTube crap and then go like, maybe there is a Chinese plot with the Canadian military to go fight India over the Himalayas. <laughs> you know? But I think that's a lot of what ifs. Yeah, but I mean, but we sort of know that some of this is true, right? Uh, in terms of of giving people certain amount of attention yeah, and drawing, making them a story and drawing people to them. I mean, this is why there's like negatives in doing those kind of like puff pieces uh, or not puff pieces, but like whenever there's like the attack on the Capitol where they're like covering some of these uh, 
Nazi-like figures as if they're like, this is Joe and he's a small business owner from T- Kentucky. And <laughs> where it's like, I-, I would rather the story just be like, these people are toxic and leave it at that. Like stop trying to make like these grander statements to them. So here's, here's my evidence. I guess if I wanted to throw in why I, I do think Ezra was trying to use this as a promotional tool. And so immediately after this story broke, Ezra put out a video and he started a poll. And the poll was just like, should the conservative party ban ban rebel media? And to access the poll, I mean, you can kind of guess what happens. What do you think you need to do to access the poll? Donate. Well, give them your email, which then they'll solicit you for for donations, right? It's just, it's the equivalent of their petition, right? Yeah. We've already talked about how they send out these petitions and get people to sign them so that they can get donations. But this was like, sign up and uh, then fill out this poll whether or not you think the conservatives should ban us. And so it's just like, you can watch it happening where it's like, he set up this poster, exclusive interview, which seems pretty legit. And then you find out that it's this weird little email thing. And then, of course, what happened, because he promoted it this way, a ton of people commented on it. And it left the conservatives to make a comment about it. And then because it left the conservatives to make a comment about it, it became mainstream news. And then it becomes mainstream news. And, of course, Ezra creates a poll where he knows new people are going to come to his site and he can sort of grab their emails. You know? And so part of me is like, I would rather they don't get people's emails, you know? I don't know. You might be right that, like, maybe I I am uh, I'm being – there's too many ifs involved here. But it just seems like that's what Ezra has in mind. And maybe, maybe it's that Ezra has it in mind. It's just that uh, you're right and that it, it really isn't going to drive viewership to his site. But Yeah. Um, but I think, though – it kind of leads room for debate on these issues and to discuss these issues. And I mean, you're going to get a lot of annoying debate and debate that we probably don't want. Right. But, (laughs) but I think having it on a mainstream like news source or even some sort of other media source at least opens up for people to learn and actually get involved in the other side of things as well, because you're also going to have a lot of other people, Jody, who agree with us in our point of view. And that actually might drive people to these alternative media sites. Um, Another thing too, is it might make people kind of realize at the same time that like the conservative party is affiliated with these people. You've already mentioned this point earlier, And it might draw attention that there is this like conflict within the conservative party between like fiscal conservatism and the social conservatism that exists among them. And I mean, like um, with that interview, I don't think Eric O'Toole is going to ever talk to Ezra. I kind of thought it was a little odd because one of the huge things that's been happening is this discussion among social conservatism within the conservative party. And I think Eric O'Toole was actually a top contender and was chosen because he kind of shifted a little away from uh, some of the other candidates views. Yeah. I mean, he still, he, he was working with the Canadian proud people who like run all those like Facebook groups that are pretty socially to the right. And so there's, uh, 
an extent to which he tried to distance himself, but people are, are like doubting it. But uh, let's be honest, like Derek Sloan, who it recently turns out was getting donations from Paul Frum, who's like an, a pretty overt neo-Nazi. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Derek Sloan, I've watched him debate is a scary person. He is not a person I want <laughs> rising up in politics in any way or shape and form. No. Right. And so it's like, you know, if if you're going... Like, frankly, I, I don't want any conservative leader, but like <laughs> if if there was like a gun to my head to choose between Eric and, uh, and Derek, I would totally go with Eric, you know? <laughs> yeah, yes. no, that's, that's the point where you are trying to make here. Yeah. I think like having these connections or even the fact that you're seeing that Ezra wants someone like O'Toole on his show kind of shows that there is these connections, even if Eric Toole's trying to distance himself away from them. Um, and I think that just draws people's attention and can also give a lot of commentaries to to media um, sources, alternative media sources, I mean, and other groups like on Twitter and um, other social media platforms where we can have our opinions to talk about like how these groups are actually all affiliated with each other in some way or shape or form, even if they try to act like they don't have any affiliation <laughs> yeah or they're at least part of this like larger membership <laughs> yes yes yeah i mean like i guess for me like there was a uh, one tweet recently that i could relate to and, and, I, and i feel that it's because like we cover this stuff but uh robert evans who uh does the behind the Bas- bastards podcast and has been covering the far right for like a very long time he he sent out a tweet. I want to say it was either today or it was yesterday. That was something like, uh, after after January sixth, you're like, uh, oh, I'm finally glad that like the mainstream media is finally focusing on the stuff I've been focusing on for like ever, right? And then he's like, today, uh, not like this, <laughs> you know, because there's like an element where it's like these people, like. I, I want more coverage of this stuff because I do think that these people serve a kind of societal threat and it's good to be aware of it and make sure that it remains sort of like not a threat, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but then it's like, I feel like because I'm steeped in it, I kind of have my own assessment of how it should or should not be covered that it makes me nervous when the mainstream media starts covering this because they, in some sense, haven't dedicated as much time to it as I have, you know? <laughs> Uh, and so like, maybe I, I'm, I'm worried a bit too much, but at the same time, it's just like, if they are going to cover it, I hope they cover it correctly. You know, I will, to, to end it, if, in, cause I know you're just dying to know, what do you think the results of the poll was of whether or not the conservative should ban rebel media? <laughs> oh, I'm assuming cause it's listeners that it would be that no, the conservative shouldn't ban. That's correct. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it was, was it was eight thousand to eighty. <laughs> yeah. But then it was like like it was like so obvious that it was like a marketing tool. Cause it's like, of course this poll is like nonsense. It's a nonsense poll. <laughs> so what was he gonna do? Look, O'Toole, my viewers yeah. have shown me that you shouldn't ban our content. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think partly that's what he wants to try to do, at least from Ezra's perspective. I've had this ongoing narrative, and I'm pretty sure that I'm correct about this, which he is desperate to get in the good graces of the Conservative Party again uh, after Charlottesville. 
And and I honestly think that's why they immediately distanced themselves from all the, the shenanigans that happened on January 6th. Mm-hmm. And why immediately the next thing is for him to play this game, trying to get O'Toole to interview him over this story. And so, because like even in the video that he released that he announced that they were doing this poll, he said, like, I agree with the responses we got back from the email. Like, I want to say that O'Toole is this great leader. I want to support the conservatives, you know? Like, he's trying to, like, butter them up, even though it's clear the conservatives are drawing a line of just, like, we don't want to be your friend. (laughs) But I feel like Ezra is desperate to get in the good graces of the conservative party. And we're probably going to see more uh, more of this, especially if Ezra is correct and there's going to be a spring election. I guess I can end on that. What like do you think there's going to be a spring election? No. I don't like I've been hearing this a lot from people and I'm like where are you getting this from? It would be I think a little irresponsible for them to have an election during a global pandemic right, right. now. I mean especially like for, for the spring because like I don't think the the general rollout of the vaccine is going to be uh fully integrated until at least the summer. Yeah, and like this is my my whole point is that that's irresponsible. Why would you have a shift in power? Potentially, right? We don't know. Like liberals could win and win a majority. Yeah. Um, but why would you have a complete shift in power where people have to get into new roles, change over, new ministers are going to be chosen, ministers who've been working on this pandemic yeah. for over a year now? What? Like that's, that's absurd. I hear this... Um, as I've mentioned on the show about they have very conservative leaning parents and they constantly complain about why there is an election being called. And, you know, Justin Trudeau is a crook and he just wants to stay in power and there should be an election and blah, 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 blah. Especially with the we scandal. That's, that's when it was like a huge ordeal, but I'm like, that is so irresponsible. Even canvassing and campaigning in a pandemic. Like that's insane. Why would you require people to do that? And I mean, like they'd have to do, some sort of method of social distancing. I mean, I I don't know how they really campaigned in the States, right? I'm assuming a lot of it was virtual, but that's just so irresponsible on so many different dimensions. So I don't think it's going to happen whatsoever. And I think that the liberal government shouldn't be focusing on election. It should be focusing on, you know, getting us some more vaccines. Come on. That's going to be the interesting thing because I, I, the only way that I think an election would get called is if the NDP wants to go against something that the liberals are going to do. But I don't see for the same reasons that you're pointing out why the NDP would want to do it, especially if they uh, try to cut against something that the liberal government is doing and call an election. It'll look badly on the NDP for doing that, which to be honest in the polls are not doing fantastic either. Uh, which I think is more representative of our media landscape than whether or not uh, I think the NDP would do a good job at leading. Uh, but yeah, like I, I just don't see the interests involved in wanting this, <laughs> especially conservatives, because I think the polling is showing right now that it tends toward liberals getting a majority if the election was held today, uh, as sad as that may be to us. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to say about this other than it's just not a smart move to do that. So I don't know why he's so dead set on election. But I think a lot of conservatives keep saying, oh, there's going to be election. There's going to be election <laughs> and hopes that there will be an election and, and have their all knowing and all 
great, powerful, conservative party in charge. And then they can complain about them for like many, many years because that's what they do. Yes. They elect them. They're the best. But then they get into power and then they, you know, do a bunch of austerity measures and they fucking hate their guts. It Like, uh, I never want to see this happen. But, you know, there's a little curiosity in me of like seeing how Ezra handles a conservative government. And I don't think I'm going to like it. <laughs> uh, so uh, please, for my sake, never elect a conservative government, Canada. I didn't really have a proactive segment today. I was just going to say for our fellow Yankee listeners of the United States of America, happy Martin Luther King Day. I do appreciate MLK. And uh, I will say, I when I teach, uh, when I taught, sorry, philosophy, one of my favorite uh, things that I, I was able to teach was from Letters from a Birmingham Jail, which I think is one of... Uh, MLK's best writings, in my opinion. It's it's especially famous because it has that bit about the white moderates, which I would love always having that discussion with my mostly predominantly uh, white and male classes <laughs> uh, and seeing how they, they wrestle with the implications of what Martin Luther King was saying there. But there's also like the interesting segments of about what do you do? What do you do in the face of unjust laws? And and how do you wrestle with that as an activist? That you knowingly have to break the law, but you're doing it uh, with with a lens towards justice, right? And uh, it's a really good read. So I would encourage everyone to go out and read that. And uh, yeah, happy MLK Day. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Caitlin. Nope. Other than celebrate! <laughs> I mean, it's hard to celebrate like your holidays in a pandemic is just like, oh, more staying at home. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> I guess staying at home, but you, you just don't work. But that's fine. If you support and enjoy what you have heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news of the Z. We have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. We also have a Discord set up and we'll be doing Twitch streams every Friday at 8 p.m. You can find all the links to our social media stuff on the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. I want to say we did, I felt like we did a great stream this past Friday and we've been throwing them up on YouTube. So find the link in the show notes to our YouTube page and uh, go check it out. We discuss... uh, whether or not the Canadian military had COVID <laughs> back in October of 2019. And uh, it was pretty funny. So you should check that out. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatom.bandcamp.com. And thank you for listening. And remember, if you don't want to be called a Nazi, don't do Nazi things. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.